Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. the gates and ready to go hot mic with Hutton withrow underway from sixth and peabody on this tuesday edition e-hop beer whole smoky moonshine here and we thank you for being here as well across the outkick network on this great radio partner or we also say hello if you're watching live on youtube by searching out the outkick channel hope you'll subscribe while you're there pound the like button and uh, join chad in the chat Chad, jam-packed show. Excellent show uh, coming our way today. Mark Schlereth will be with us in 20 minutes. NFL topics discussion uh, and the nickname Stink, which still sticks uh, with him. That's straight ahead. Skip Holtz will join us, head coach of the Birmingham Stallions, who have gone back-to-back as USFL champions. Great backstory with him uh, as an up-and-coming coach back in the day, trying to get into Notre Dame. Couldn't initially, based on admission issues, Goes to Holy Cross and then makes his way back whenever his father, Lou, became head coach of the Irish. He'll join us later this hour. Plus, John McClain and Trey Wallace. Trey's gearing up for great SEC coverage and more at Outkick.com. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hutton. Excited for this show today. Excited to talk to Mark Schlereth coming up here very soon. We got a number of big stories, though, one of which hit right when we left the air yesterday. Yes, and that kicks off our Hot Mike Scorched Earth headlines, the top headlines across the sports landscape, starting with the mega one, uh, which was right around 6 p.m. Eastern yesterday. Pat Fitzgerald fired as head coach at Northwestern. This coming after they originally suspended him, put him on unpaid leave for two weeks during the summer, and then reports came out that the the hazing issues, allegations, were confirmed by up to 11 players, not the original two that were in the story from the student newspaper, the Daily Northwestern. Beyond that, the allegations of hazing were largely supported by the independent investigation that took place through a firm on behalf of the university. And this goes from what was a two-week suspension that Fitzgerald agreed to, to within a matter of hours of this story coming out, he's on the street, no longer employed. Meanwhile, uh, I haven't seen if this is confirmed or not. They didn't confirm this as a university through the statement. But the idea is that David Braun, the defensive coordinator, is going to be the interim head coach, which to me makes no sense if you're going to say that the coaches should have known. Well, he just got there. Well, I think that's the difference, is he just came this offseason. But, I mean, they, the this isn't the, I mean, he was there for the spring practice and things, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I get it. I don't know who you're going to – Snipe at this, at this point, at the, I, I agree with that it's someone too. sitting out, you know, not coaching currently. But isn't this, I mean, is the firing justified is the question. And I mean, based on what is being confirmed by multiple players that date back to whenever Fitzgerald actually arrived uh, as the head coach, he was named head coach in 2006 until most recently the 2021-22 season. Um, 
this is the culture based on what these former players are saying, not just some random story brought up by one disgruntled former Northwestern player. Yeah. And the details are very vague because they're not releasing the report. Look, yeah, we can get into whether or not he should have been fired, the merits of it, all that. But let's go back to to Northwestern University here and, and their handling of this. Michael Schill butchered this entire operation because here's what you do. You find out about allegations in January. He took them seriously. He got this investigator, some woman of great renown that came in and investigated the whole thing turned over her findings, the investigation's findings, to the university. University, I'm assuming, read the findings of what happened after a months-long investigation and decided that the proper course of action is to suspend Pat Fitzgerald two weeks without pay in the middle of the summer. Fine, whatever, don't care. You're through it at that point. What you also do at that point is release. You become transparent. Release the findings. You have to. Release the investigation. Put it all out there at once and say, after months of investigating and 50-plus interviews, here's what we found. Put all your chips on the table. And because of this, we're suspending Pat Fitzgerald for two weeks. And then stand by your decision. And let whatever reporting happens after that come out. But instead, what they did was they had this cloak of secrecy Hey, we had an investigation, but we're not going to tell you everything we found. But Pat Fitzgerald's out for two weeks in the middle of the summer. Doesn't really matter, but he's going to be our coach. Then journalistic bodies start to do their investigation, and then they release damning details about it instead of you being out in front of it. And now suddenly the president of Northwestern University looks like a kicker that's picking up blades of grass off the ground and throwing it in the air to see which way the wind is blowing before making a decision. Because he made his decision, and then he comes back and says, oh, these reports look pretty bad, and oh, now people are mad at me and complaining, so now I've got to fire my coach. This is a blatant lack of leadership, not from Pat Fitzgerald, but from the university itself. And I get Pat Fitzgerald coming back and saying, I'm a little shocked and confused that I agreed to a two-week suspension without pay, and we talked about all the findings and everything else, and I'm upfront and honest with them about it, And now all of a sudden I'm fired a few days later. There are some universities that go through athletics first and there are universities that don't. Northwestern's one of the latter. You know, if this happens at name your power school football program, uh, what the coach is going to agree to is universally, to me anyway, this happens at Ohio State, Michigan, Alabama. You can go to all the power conferences. those coaches are likely still coaching today. Pat Fitzgerald is the definition of Northwestern football. And he's fired. And, and the president even admitted like, that this decision is not going to be universally accepted or applauded. Uh, there are going to be those that vehemently uh, hate this decision. I, I think he's referring to the, the players. Uh, but the ones that are applauding President Michael Shield today aren't involved in athletics whatsoever. Uh, we'll dive further into this. Well, and, and he, the, my issue with the whole thing, though, Hutton, is we'll, we'll, we'll get into it later, I know. He made two decisions. He made both decisions here. Based on a, He made the decision, then, oh, people are now mad at my first decision. Let well, me reverse course and now fire the coach. I think that's bad leadership. I think if they did the it, investigation no and put is. money into it, 
you research that thoroughly, you know what's going on, and you don't allow a student newspaper report to deter you from what you already decided, and you push forward. Instead, now the greatest coach in the history of Northwestern football is out. Out of a job. Northwestern man, Pat Fitzgerald, fired. I'm, I'm stunned uh, that it all happened so quickly. Not that it led to this conclusion, but that it all happened so quickly. Yep, and I mean, it's, it's, it feels like a CYA from the president's point of view. Not releasing the details of the report because initially it was just two weeks during the summer without pay. Uh, last night, home run derby. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. wins the 2023 home run derby. Uh, uh, I standing ovation to Major League Baseball getting it right again. The drama's there. I like the bracket. I, I love the the timing of things, the bonus rounds. It's highly entertaining. And whatever they have figured out with the algorithm of the derby now versus five years ago, this works because it has produced drama from the start to the finish. And if you don't watch from start to finish, I don't blame you, but the final round, the championship rounds of this are very compelling. And it ends up where these guys are just bombing homers all over the place, tired out, and that produces a championship round where it's coming down to one, two, three swings, and it did last night again. And I feel like every time they have one of these, I find myself with my eye on something different, some different element okay. of the competition. Last night it was exit velocity off the bat, and Eduardo Perez was saying they need to get up to 103, 104 to have a chance to hit that 440-foot mark on it. So I'm watching okay. that, and I'm seeing 97, 98, 100, 93, 87, 102, and I'm looking for that 104-mile-per-hour-plus to have any chance to launch one 440 feet plus to get the bonus 30 seconds for it. I think it's fantastic. I marvel at the ability of these guys to just mash time yes. and time again. I see how tiring it has to become. You saw it take the toll on some guys. My guy, Julio Rodriguez, who I picked to win, 40 something, crushed it in the first round. <laughs> and then the second round, he quickly tired out yeah. as he went along. My one critique is that if you're going to do post round interviews that the entire stadium can hear and the broadcast can hear, bring these guys' interpreters along with them. Yes. Because it Julio Rodriguez, I, I'm not making fun of Julio Rodriguez. I'm not speaking saying. great English. I don't speak a second language. That's his second language. So he's speaking some English. But when he's being asked questions by Buster Olney or whoever's doing it, <laughs> and it's just like three or four words strung together that ends very loud at the end of it, I don't think that really accomplishes a lot. I like the fact you could bring the interpreter, like you see Ronald Acuna Jr. with the Braves has an interpreter. Every post-game interview he has on the Braves Otani. broadcast, bring interpreters along to to speak to the the crowd if you're going to do that. But other than that, I think it's a really well done event. Yeah, well, it's, it, to me, it's the highlight versus the All Star game, and I should appreciate this All Star game more, which is tonight, because this league actually has the top stars playing in the All Star game. That's not the case in the NFL for the Pro Bowl. Uh, they're going through secondary backups who were voted 4th, 5th, 6th for Pro Bowl alternates who are getting in. And it's way different in Major League Baseball. Chad, uh, you mentioned the the money. We, we had uh, the, the bets on on the Home Run Derby last night. Um, I, bet, I had like five bucks on Guerrero Jr., right? The payout was would have been uh, and, and was way different uh, for a guy named Burt Nerf Jr. That is the 
inside guy that was placing the bet in Cincinnati on behalf of Brad Bohannon with the insider info relayed to uh, Burt Nerf Jr. is his name. And he was so aggressive in trying to place this bet, it ended up giving away everything uh, for the insider betting info. Uh, we remember the story, Alabama's baseball coach. Uh, the pitcher was down, they're playing LSU. And it is, uh, according to reports, Nerf is on this uh, incognito app uh, where he, he's got the, the encryption on. I don't know if it was the WhatsApp. Uh, there's another one called Signal, I believe, that was relayed as a possibility. Either way, he's so aggressive at the pay window where on most apps for betting, you can put up to $500 on a college baseball game. He's wanting to bet $100,000 at the window and telling the person taking the bet, hey, I've got insider info on this game. Please let me place this amount of money on Alabama LSU. And the cameras are so crystal clear on zooming in. We need this for like theft or a, a, a looting incident at a 7-Eleven. We can't get that. Or murder. But, but the, the, the sports <laughs> windows, the sports betting windows, uh, have a, a camera available that can zoom in so clearly that they knew that he was talking to Brad Bohannon on his phone uh, regardless of it being encrypted or not. Uh, this is a remarkable story in a number of different areas. One, why is it that every time we see a murder suspect or someone that's on the loose, yeah. it's like a security footage picture of them that you can barely make out that's yeah. black and white? I've, I've, this has been a primary complaint of and mine. And it's just completely, you know, the, it's not pixelated enough to see anything. We can zoom in on a yeah. far galaxy, but we, we can, cannot find the guy that we're looking for on a description. It's just a profile. But, but unless you're at a sports book yeah. where they have such good security cameras, they're zooming in on dude's phone and seeing Brad Bohannon and reading the entire text exchange full name. from the security <laughs> camera. I mean, holy cow. Don't ever do anything you don't want your mother to know about at a casino or they will find you and they will find out because they can read, not tapping into your phone and hacking it. We're talking about reading what's on your phone in a text from an eye in the sky. Incredible work by this sports book. Some of the dumbest work ever by Burt Neff Jr. who did this because if you're going to try to pull something like this off, yeah. you don't need to go to the window and when they deny your $100,000 bet, you can't respond by saying, but I got to place it. I have inside information on this. I'm telling you, I have inside. That is not going to compel the house to then take that money knowing they're going to lose a lot more money when you're telling them, but I have inside information. Um this is like a, a funny sports documentary one day about the idi idiocy of this guy and what was going on. I can't wait to watch it at some point. But lesson learned, don't do anything with your phone. You don't want everyone seeing in a sports book or they will find you. And they'll be able to zoom in on whatever you're talking about on text. Well, and now a third school is involved with Neff's you know, back-channeling of inside information. Uh, with, uh, the NCAA has launched an inquiry into Xavier. Uh, on this for Xavier baseball, uh, it, it, and the 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 source for these this report says, hey, you know, this was as reckless as you could be, bragging that you have inside information to a cashier, and then actually having a conversation on your phone that we could read. Yeah, moron. Uh, yeah, it made it e extremely easy uh, just by boasting that the insider info was there. The um, Major League Baseball trade deadline is coming up August first. Reports are starting to heat up that the Angels are considering the trade option 
for Shohei Otani. Otani, uh, through a translator, said, it's time to win. I'm thinking about winning more now than, than ever. He's finishing up a two-year contract in Los Angeles with the Angels. And if the Angels aren't, if they know they're not getting him back, don't they have to deal him yes. to, to a team that knows they can sign him? And that one comment by Shohei Otani about, as the days go on and the seasons go on, my desire to win and play in the playoffs grows stronger. You, you have to be self-aware here if you're the Angels and know that he's never gone to the playoffs with you. And, and you not. currently sit one game under 500 in the yeah. AL West. Now is the time to deal him and get something in return have to. and deal him to a contender. This has to happen. And I think, also, it, I think it's going to happen. It's also difficult, though, because the team that's going to trade for him has to know they're re- they're signing him long term. It's the Mets, right? Isn't it the Mets? Yes, could be, but also the Mets. They're not going to do it because they suck right now. So he has no chance of winning this year. Well, they could. It's going to be someone that's going to be a buyer. Have no trade clauses, which is only like three or four on their roster. Yeah, it's going to be tough. But the it Mets can definitely sign him long term. Mark Slareth joins us next on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. Stay tuned. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Glad you're with us. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow rolls on across the Outkick Network. Coming up in about 20 minutes, Skip Holtz will join us. Former college football head coach, now Birmingham Stallions, two-time champ in the USFL. Always a great chat with him, and the same will be had right now. Mark Slareth joins us, the host of the Stinking Truth podcast. It's a great name for a podcast. Absolutely. It it fits with uh, Slareth for sure. Uh, Good to see you, man. Hope things are well. Things are great. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. How are you guys? Fantastic. And if, if if things were bad... No one would listen if we complained anyway. That's that's our motto yeah. here, right? Uh, how yeah, surpri- ab- absolutely. How surprised were you with the news yesterday that Northwestern had had fired Pat Fitzgerald just on the surface level of what he has meant to that university and that football program? Yeah, I was shocked. Um, and any of us that know, and I, I can't say that I know him well, but I've been with him um, in in several different situations. Um, 
Uh, I, I actually sat on a flight from Chicago or Denver to Chicago with him. And, you know, he is just the most pleasant and, and one of the nice guys and one of the great guys in this business. And, um, you know, to not have any evidence suggesting that he knew that was going on, but to fire him based on the fact that you're the head coach and maybe you should know what's going on. Um, seems a little sketchy to me, but, um, you know, I haven't followed it too closely until, you know, just obviously recently when I heard he got fired, because like I said, I've known the guy for, for quite some time. So, um, very shocked and what he's been able to do in Northwestern, not only as a player, as assistant coach, but 17 years as a head coach, um, always creates a competitive football team, always gives his cha- team a chance to win. Uh, I just was shocked. I was shocked. Same, same here. We echoed that yesterday. Just, uh, the the feel the vibe behind the scenes with him was way different uh, than what we saw surface level I guess and, and you're you're great to ask the eras of hazing are way different in today's game versus sure in the past uh, but how easy how believable is it that the coaches would not have known something was going on behind the scenes it, do you buy that idea that no one knew. I buy the idea that, you know, some hazing is going on and um, but you don't know the level or the extent of what's going on. And, you know, there is a certain sanctuary to locker room where you don't always want your coaches running through there. That's like at your spot. Um, And all I can say about hazing is, um, you know, you know, when you cross the line, when you see it, I can't tell you exactly what that is, but you kind of understand that. I was telling a story this morning on my radio show. I was on a bus in Japan and, um, you know, I was sitting in the pretty much in the front of the bus and there were two guys giving another guy some grief. And it was it started off, you know, innocent enough. It started off the way, you know, that always starts off back and forth. And at some point it crossed the line. And I just turned around and said, no, like, that's not going to happen. And you understand that. So the fact that there were no players, um, if in fact some of the allegations were true or are true, um, that stepped up. and that's disappointing. But I, I will say that I think there are some things that um, that probably you you don't necessarily know the depth of what's going on. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, Pat Fitzgerald seems to is going to be the guy that pays the price. And, and maybe you should. I, I, I don't know what the protocol is. I've never been a head coach. Maybe you should know what's going on. But um, I also know, like I said, there's a certain sanctuary to areas in your facility in the locker room. Like coaches are allowed to walk through, but nobody wants the coach to hang out there and, yeah. you know, talk football. and talk. That's our space, right? Like, like we don't run up to the coach's office and sit around and have, you know, a group chat session uh, while they're working. So, you know, there is, there is that kind of, there is that kind of space that normally coaches give their players and allow them to, you know, kind of police themselves. Unfortunately, obviously, um, on the surface and the stuff that I read, it looks like that, uh, um, you know, that, that went way, way, way farther than it, it ever should. Mark Schlereth with us on hot Mike with Hutton Whistler. And Mark, you played in an era without social media and it, it feels mm-hmm. like social media has made everyone more concerned with what other people think and what other people think about them. And I think the thing that bothers me about this story is that social media has done a lot of things that's negative and one of them is it's weakened leadership. And I see the president of Northwestern that made a decision based on a months-long investigation and then went away from that decision because people on social media were mad because he talked to sure. a few people that were mad, and then he decides to fire the coach because, well, boy, we're getting a lot of blowback on social media. In the era in which you played, 
you know, coaches had more of an ability, leaders, owners, whatever it may be, had more of an ability to have autonomy over their own decisions without being concerned about what the outside thought about it. Do you feel like that has shifted a lot over the years? And then this is one story where that's indicative. Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's any question that, um, that you hear a very minority. There's a very small minority of people that have exceptionally loud voices on social media and they tend to influence, you know, most of the mainstream, there's the extreme, you know, left, the extreme right. And, um, and they're the ones that have all the voices and somewhere in the middle lies the rest of us who just kind of stay silent or just kind of like monitor what's going on. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of people react to uh, a space in social media that really, you know, in, in my opinion, isn't real. I mean, it's not, you know, I'm going to post pictures of myself when I'm going to look at my best and look at what I can do. And it, it's just a bunch of baloney. And, you know, I always advise young players and talk to young players all the time about, you know, just kind of the evils of social media. And, and, and bottom line, one of the things I always tell young guys, you know, worry about building your career, not your brand. Like your brand will follow. But unfortunately, there's a lot of young guys that are trying to build brands. And ultimately, their careers fail because they're more concerned about how many likes they get on Instagram and, and you know, what people are saying about them. Um, I, you know, I personally find it funny um, when I kind of roll through my feed and uh, listen to people bitch and moan about stuff I say. Like, I, I, I just don't care. Um, I just don't care what you think. Uh, ultimately, I know I've done the work and I know I've earned the right. So, but it's really, it is really in interesting. And I understand um, how influential that can be, especially to, to young people. I didn't have to put up with that nonsense when I was playing. Um, and, um, you know, probably, probably better off for it, but, uh, it is, it's tough to navigate. There's no question. Would your advice to Russell Wilson right now to be, to worry less about his brand and more about his play and his career? Yeah. I mean, Russell's had an exceptional career. You know, we, we act like, and I, I find it funny, like everybody's ready to write him off, like, oh, he lost a step and he can't do this and he can't do that. And, um, and I think that's, you know, I think that's a bunch of baloney. I, I think that he's still exceptionally athletic. He still throws the ball. Uh, th there is no hindrance to the way he throws the ball. He can still sling it. Um, you know, ultimately, ultimately, he was in a very dysfunctional um, organization, and he was part of that dysfunction. Um, and, you know, there was there were Tuesday meetings, players meetings that that he ran that he basically game planned with players. And then he would meet with the coaches on Wednesday or they would meet together and the coaches were game planning one thing and and they were trying to amalgamate. I mean, it's the most nonsensical. Like, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Um, so, like I can imagine in my day showing up to one meeting and be like pound sand. I ain't I, I, Tuesday's my day off. You guys can kiss my ass. I ain't coming to that. Like I, I just like that stuff is is completely you know out of bounds in my opinion. But the bottom line is you don't have leadership in place to stop it. Like if you're the head coach, you're like uh, that ain't gonna happen. Um, you know, and you can sit on the bench if that's the way you want to approach this. Like there there has got to be strong leadership. Otherwise, you know, guys and culture just go whichever way, you know, they want to go. And so, um, you know, I look at that and, and obviously um, Russell has a piece in that, 
but I blame the organization more than I blame Russell. Like if you're going to allow um, somebody to get away with stuff, you know, they're going to, they're going to push it as far as they can. So just a lack of leadership, a lack of an adult um, running that organization. And so there's already been a ton of changes um, as Sean Payton has walked in. You've hardly heard anything from Russell as far as, you know, his branding and his, you know, posts and all the, uh, all the different stuff he's done. You know, Sean, the first meeting, he said, I want more anonymous donors. I want to be about the work. Uh, I don't want to be about posting the work. And um, for the most part, you have not seen any Bronco post just about anything. You should, Russell did the day, like a day after he left for summer break, you know, he had one post. And yeah, I just, I look at it like, talk about being tone deaf, but um, I think, I think it's made a huge difference here in Denver and um, you see a lot of guys that normally you see a lot of stuff. Here's my workout. And here's this. And here's that. Like nobody, you guys win five games a year. Who gives a crap? Like win something. And then, you know, and then let's let, let us start talking about you as opposed to you talking about yourselves. Mark Slareth, our guest on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. Uh, Mark, speaking of brands, you're known for being a great football player, great football analyst uh, and the nickname Stink which is a part, I mean, you're playing into that on your podcast, the Stinky sure. Truth podcast. Uh, did the name come from Anchorage, Alaska, where the, the Alaskan natives were known for burying fish heads? They were called stinkheads, yeah. I think. Or was it because, yeah. did, it, did it also pick up whenever you would pee your pants? Uh, if you had right. to go during a game, you would just go and not wait until to go to the sidelines. When did he... When did you actually say, you know what, I'm going to play into this nickname because everyone else is is going with it too? Right. Well, it, it, it initially started as Stinkhead, and um, and then there was a fateful night in uh, August when back, you know, when we used to play in preseason games, the right. starters, yeah. and um, yeah, and, and so yeah, and we had the third preseason game. You played into the third quarter. And so I played in the third quarter and, um, man, I had a, I really had a pee <laughs> and, um, and, you know, it's like the fourth quarter and the guys are, you know, all the guys, cause it was, uh, the youngest member of the hogs. So like Russ and Jeff Bostic and, and, you know, and Joe Jacoby were like, oh, just go in the locker room. I go, I can't, I'm just gonna, you know, I'm going to piss on the bench. And, um, and they're like, no, nah, no, that's great. You know, and I go, nah, it'll be fine. Um, but I had to be the first guy in, in relief. So I, I was both the, both guards. I, I backed up both guards and center. And I, I kid you not, man, I got done, um, like relieving myself completely emptied my batter on a bladder <laughs> on the bench. It's like draining out of my pants onto the bench and sure enough, backup quarterback, somebody gets hurt and I got to go in and take a couple of warm up snaps. <laughs> and, um, needless to say, uh, that was the time I went from stink head just to stink. And, um, and I've been stink ever since. <laughs> so would you, uh, were there, this seems out of necessity as with the way I'm taking it the first time. Did it become like just, just because, because you gained an advantage on someone trying to get past you? No, it didn't. There was no advantage to it. If I, so it, it never if, happened on I purpose? To, well, no, it did happen Forced on purpose sometimes. Oh, okay. if I had a, yeah, if I, had a, if I had a go, I would just go. Uh, it didn't, like, it just didn't really bother me at that point. You know, you're sweaty and, <laughs> You're wet and uh, and like I figured I was miserable anyhow. So um, yeah, I you know I would occasionally I would occasionally relieve myself during games. Three time Super Bowl champ uh, Mark Schlereth with us. Uh, final minute or so here, Mark. Uh, most satisfying Super Bowl victory was the one in Washington or one of the two in Denver? 
Uh, it was the second one. Um, my second one, Super Bowl 32 in Denver. Um, you know, and, and listen, as a player growing up, when I grew up, like watching games and being a fan of football, I loved the Steelers. Um, you know, I, I rooted for them as a kid. And they were my they were really the reason that I wanted to be an, an NFL player. Um, and so you knew the history of the league. So I knew the history of the Broncos and and John Elway and you know, three Super Bowls they had been to under John Elway before that, where they got shellacked and all those. And, you know, going out there to the Green Bay Packers were, you know, at the opening of, of the week, we're 13-point underdogs at kickoff. I think we're 11.5-point underdogs. Um, I knew that history. And it was important. It was important to us to to help John win a Super Bowl and kind of get that monkey off his back. So, um, you know, I always say this. The two Super Bowls I was favored in, um, the, the Washington Super Bowl 26 and then uh, Denver Super Bowl 33, um, we were like eight point favorites in both of those games. That was the end of those games was more relief than anything else. Like, thank goodness we didn't screw that up because we were a way better team. Um, Super Bowl 32 was euphoria. Like nobody, nobody in that, you know, nobody expected us to win except us. And, uh, and so that was a euphoric feeling. And it was a, you know, that was, that was by far um, emotionally, that was the best one. And and that was the funnest one. Check out the Stinking Truth podcast. Uh, Mark Slareth has been our guest. You can find the link. We'll retweet it, but also just by searching his name on social media, uh, that's how you can follow him and get the link uh, when the podcast arrives uh, for each episode. Uh, Mark, thank you so much, man. Great insight, and uh, hopefully we can do this again soon. Yeah, anytime. My pleasure. You guys take care. There's Stink. Mark Slareth has been our guest. Sometimes you got to go. You just got to go. I wouldn't be able to do that. I would. I, I mean, unless it was just... I think once it starts, it probably feels really nice. Yeah, but it sounds like if you just had to go, you, you could hold it, but you could also just... Pee your pants. It sounds like then it just go. became a thing. Then he decided it was not a necessity. It's like I kind of need to go, so might as well. Yeah, I, some of the defensive linemen would certainly take issue with it. You better believe the quarterbacks would if you yes. had to play center. That was the worst spot. Coming up, uh, a lot of discussion on more football with Skip Holtz, two-time champ in the USFL. John McClain will join us coming up in about 40 minutes, plus Trey Wallace of Outkick.com later in today's show. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow rolls on from 6th and Peabody in Music City with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Pleased to be joined by USFL champion, back-to-back champion as the head coach of the Birmingham Stallions, Skip Holtz, uh, joins us once again here across the Outkick Network. Coach, congrats. Uh, I mean, you're making it look easy. I've I've been blessed with some really good coaches and players, uh, for sure. And it has been it's been a lot of fun. We've just got a great group of leaders. Uh, the culture is really strong right now, and those guys they believe in winning and they're willing to work and do the things they need to uh, in order to win. So really, really proud of what they've been able to accomplish. We've had a lot of fun in the process. Uh, is this the uh, the off season beard that's beginning to start, yeah. or is this just a couple of days without shaving? This is probably a little bit more laziness than oh. it is. Uh, you should go. Like with I'm it. looking to throw anything. It's just a little bit of laziness for right. a couple of days. But I'll have to get I'll have to get back on it here if my wife's going to let me in the house in a couple of days. <laughs> uh, we've Birmingham hosted first playoff game uh, for the USFL. Uh, you, you've got that uh, to to uh, point to for the first time in what 38, nearly 40 years. 
Where are we headed? We've seen new hubs now in year two for the USFL. Where do you see the league going now, now that we've actually have a spring league that's done this successfully, not just for one full season, but they've brought it back and they continue to push forward? Well, I think it's healthier than it's ever been. And watching, you know, the one hub system was, I thought, brilliant um, to start out to get your, you know, the old adage, you've got to crawl and then walk and then jog and then run. Uh, and I think what they've done and just the plan that uh, Fox, that Moose Johnson, Daryl Johnson, what they've put in place right now, it's been fun to be part of. And it's fun when the uh, visionaries of developing the league and a plan to put it together. Uh, so it is going to be on so it's going to be on a solid foundation. And I think that's kind of what's happened here. It's been a lot of fun to watch all eight teams together and then to go into four different hubs, two teams per hub. Uh, I don't know where it all is going to go, but I know the, you know, maybe it goes to six next year and eight the year after that. Uh, but I think it's uh, I think it's a brilliant plan when you look at all the different spring leagues that have failed over the last really 40 years to see what the USFL has been able to do. Uh, it's been a lot of fun and to see the stability of the league, the success of the athletes that have moved on, the attendance figures. When you look at uh, like you said, having a, a home playoff game in Birmingham, winning that, uh, the Hall of Fame game in Canton, the championship game in Canton, uh, I think is is brilliant. I mean, you're there at the Professional Football Hall of Fame. It's not the NFL Hall of Fame. It's professional football. Yeah. And right after the championship, uh, you get an opportunity to grab a couple of players and go into the Hall of Fame and place that trophy up on the, up on the pedestal where it's going to sit under the glass. It's just uh, it's real. I mean, it's, it's been a lot of fun, but I think, uh, I think it's in really solid ground right now. And it's certainly, I have enjoyed being part of the growth and watching this thing come to fruition. Well, it's definitely a lot of fun going 21 and three over two seasons <laughs> and winning two championships. So I could see how that would be a lot of fun. Uh, talking to your players, what has the player experience been like? Are, are the players having fun? Are they enjoying the experience of playing in the league? I mean, I, the feedback that I've gotten from them has loved it. And I look at the, the follow-up. We had, we had a number of players that went on uh, to have an opportunity in the NFL. Uh, we have even had, I mean, you look at this year coming back, uh, we've got, I know, when you, like you said, when you win, it's fun. But when this game was over, I mean, it's like, Coach, if I don't get that call, I'm coming back. I want to be part of this. Uh, I think the players have loved it. Uh, I think it's, a, like I said, it's got a great culture. We really got a, a strong brotherhood being developed. Those guys are building great relationships and enjoy working together. It's just been a lot of fun to come to watch it together, come together. And so uh, I think a lot of these guys, there's, you know, some that are going to have the opportunity to play them because they want the opportunity to go play again uh, in the NFL. But then there's a lot of guys that are playing because they love the game. And maybe they don't get a call from the NFL, but they love the game and love to have the opportunity uh, to continue to grow and develop and be part of this great game. So uh, I think the fan experience or the player experience, as well as the fan experience, has been very positive. Skip Holtz with us on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. We're all talking about Pat Fitzgerald at Northwestern, and, and he's getting fired yesterday for the hazing allegations that took place. And he says he didn't know. The report says that they can't prove if the coaches knew or not. Just for background in your experience in college football, from UConn to South Florida, ECU, mm-hmm. Louisiana Tech, as a head coach, would is it plausible that you would not have known what was going on in a locker room uh, based on certain situations? Uh, did you stay out of the locker room? How, do, how would you have handled that? No, I, I, 
almost most coaches that I know are going to have a presence in the locker room. You don't you don't go sit in a chair and sit down there while they're all changing clothes and things like that. I mean, you go through and after practice every night, I tried to go through practice, talk to players. Maybe one that I had got on to, it wasn't kind of a, a taboo space. You don't go in there. Um, but I think, I mean, could it happen? Sure could. I mean, you look on a college campus, things could happen on a college campus that people don't know about. Uh, you're in a football building with meeting rooms and locker rooms and all this square footage space. Um, I'll just say this, and I don't know the details of the case. I know Pat Fitzgerald. And I don't know that there's anybody that I have more respect for that has done it the right way um, with character. He's been upstanding. I've been on committees with him. Uh, I think he's good for the game. I think he's an honorable man. And I have, I don't know if there's anybody in coaching I have more respect for than him. I just don't know all the details in it. But, you know, I know they did the internal investigation from an independent resource that uh, is what I've read. Uh, that went on for six months and they found that he had no wrongdoing or didn't do anything in it. So I don't know all the details in the case, but I do know uh, that I would, I would put Pat Fitzgerald um, as a head football coach. I I think that man is a a good man. That's going to do things the right way that he's not going to turn a blind eye is what I believe. Yeah. We we were stunned yesterday when the news came out that they had, had let him go uh, simply because he is the face of that program. He is Mr. Northwestern football. Uh, your last name is synonymous with college football. And mm-hmm. uh, let's go back to the start of college for you, Coach. With uh, Originally, you, wanted, you were going to Notre Dame, I believe, straight out of high school. You were trying to get in. And right. a- academics, different things uh, to, to get in. They said no. And one of them, I believe, was a foreign language course that you didn't take in high school that they required. Um, Correct. They needed two years of a foreign language. And I told them coming out of Arkansas, they were lucky I had two years of English. So you go, was it, was it, uh, being here in the South, I get the same response. Uh, Was it, was it Holy Cross is where you ended up going? And then, so what foreign language course did you take? Well, I ended up taking Spanish. uh, When I went, I went over to Holy Cross right across the street. Uh, I had the opportunity to go up there and talk to Digger Dawson or not Digger, I'm sorry, Digger Phelps, yep. Digger Dawson's family friend, uh, Digger Phelps and um, him and Coach Faust. And both of them said, if you don't, you can't get in academically, uh, this is the route to get over here. And there's a large success rate for students transferring in. So as everybody knows it today, I went the Rudy route uh, <laughs> and went over to Holy Cross for two years and got my grades up and took my foreign language and then transferred over to Notre Dame. So uh, I was, it was a thing that when I went up and took a visit onto that campus, it was something that I wanted to be part of. It's something I wanted to do, uh, regardless of what the consequences were and how, what I needed to do to get in. And so since I didn't have two years of foreign language, I had to go to Holy Cross for two years uh, and take those. But it certainly was one of the more rewarding things that I did. I had a great experience, graduated from Holy Cross. Uh, junior college at that time. It's now a four-year school, but transferred over to Notre Dame and then had a great experience there at Notre Dame. And then Faust had resigned, I believe, and your dad, Lou, Coach Lou Holtz, took over as the head coach, and you were able to walk on at that point. Yes. Uh, and did you know then you were going to get into coaching just based on the college experience? Yeah, it's it's what I'd been around my whole life. I went to Notre Dame. I wanted to be a business management major. Uh, I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I wanted to get into business, but uh, growing up around this game and being around it my whole life, when when the lights came on, when that light at the end of the tunnel shows up, uh, I just I wasn't ready to walk away from the game, and I wanted to remain part of it. 
Uh, I wasn't athletic enough to continue playing on a professional level. Uh, and so I got into coaching and went down and had an opportunity, got a great opportunity with Bobby Bowden at Florida State. So when I graduated from Notre Dame, I got into it down there with, with him for two years and had a phenomenal experience. And then some opportunities showed up with, with Earl Bruce and then went back to work for my father at Notre Dame. Uh, just in that kind of which got me on it. And I feel very blessed that I've never had to go to work a day in my life. You know, you talked about Pat Fitzgerald, very well-liked, well-respected, and then you mentioned Bobby Bowden. That's another name in coaching that is very well-liked and well-respected throughout his career and his life. What kind of impact did Coach Bowden have on you? You know, a great impact, not only as a football coach, because I I was enthralled with the passing game and the wide-open offense that they ran, Um, and then having had the opportunity to work for Bobby Bowden, Lou Holtz, and Earl Bruce, I've worked with three guys that are all going to be in the College Football Hall of Fame, or all are, uh, all excellent football coaches. But Coach Bowden was uh, instrumental in getting me getting me really loving coaching and getting involved with it. A very, same thing, honorable character. He's done things the right way. He did it as long as he did. And just great respect for Coach Bowden and the Bowden family. And having the opportunity to do my tutoring under him uh, was a dream come true for me. And then he led you back to uh, to Notre Dame through Mark Richt, correct? Well, and that's how, well, when I was back at Notre Dame, I went in and uh, I had tried to get the offensive coordinator job. And my father laughed at me and he said, come on, I'm not going to hire you. I mean, like, <laughs> he said, really, who would you hire? And I said, I'd hire myself. And he said, well, I can't hire you as my son. So who would you hire? And I said, I'd hire Mark Richt. Uh, another man, great respect, does things the right way. He was at Florida State had the opportunity to work with him there. And so when my father and Coach Bowden, who were very good friends, when Coach, when my father called Coach Bowden and said, I'd like to have permission to talk to Mark Rick to be my offensive coordinator, uh, Coach Bowden said, well, that'd be great. Go ahead. You're free to talk to him. But why have you on the phone? If you hire him, I want permission to talk to Skip, to hire Skip to replace Mark. And that is when the whole thing, I think, at that point, my father said it was probably more important that he stay married than it was that he go to Florida State to hire an offensive coordinator. And that's how I became the offensive coordinator at Notre Dame. And again, great experience, great place um, for me. Just uh, loved having the opportunity to be at the school that I graduated from, but also loved having the opportunity to coach with my father. There aren't a lot of people that after 18 years of growing up in the same household with your parents, you you get that open opportunity to go back and work for your father. And those are years that I'm going to cherish, not only back at Notre Dame, but at South Carolina as well when we were together. Coach Skip Holtz has been our guest. Speaking of young coaches, USFL is a great opportunity for graduate assistants or you know just uh, positional coaches that have a chance to mm-hmm. potentially go in and call plays and get that experience in the USFL. Talking to Ray Horton recently with his son and what he did as Ex- defensive coordinator. Good example. Exactly. And there are some college coaches who are blocking that from happening, which is ridiculous. Uh, coach, congratulations on uh, on the back-to-back championships. Uh, good luck with all the pressure you'll be facing as the favorite next season as well. <laughs> well, that showed up when we got off the, the plane and got on the bus to go to the parade. Uh, that's all. Nobody wanted to, they weren't chanting back to back. They were chanting three P. Yeah. And I was like, we just got off the plane. Let us, let us have 24 hours to at least celebrate this one. And, <laughs> you know, I mean, like I said, it's been a lot of fun. There's great coaches in this league. There's great players. I've, I've probably been probably more impressed with the level of play and the quality of athlete that's running around in the USFL than I thought I would be. I've really been impressed. 
with the level of play and the coaches. And it's just been, it's been an unbelievable experience uh, to see the way the fans are buying in, to see the way the league is received right now, to see the product on the field and see the stability with Fox behind it has been uh, really, it's been awesome to be part of it. I think we'll, I think spring football is here to stay and I don't think the USFL is going anywhere. Yeah, well, we agree. We've had a great experience with it behind the scenes throughout kick and Fox. Uh, congrats again, coach. We'll catch up soon. Hopefully. I look forward to it. Thanks, yeah, guys. Appreciate here. you having me. Always enjoy a conversation with uh, with Skip Holtz. Four uh, zero in the playoffs and twenty one and three. Not bad. Is the record over the two seasons for Birmingham. Uh, Chad, coming up, you believe the president Northwestern made a huge mistake based on the details and the handling of those details at Northwestern, and I think it goes and dives into the details that have not been released because they're not going to allow the independent report to get out unless their reporters are going to dig it up. I'm curious where you're going with it because I've got my thoughts on Pat Fitzgerald actually, I believe, gets off easy or easier, especially with the timing of his firing. That's next on Hot Mike.